Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys today? Come on. Man, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we are so glad you're here. Particularly, I got to lend my voice to this. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms here in this room, those of you online with us as well. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I was thinking about this week. Um, and by the way, we hope you have an amazing day. I, I was thinking about this past 15 months or so. And I would guess that nobody has had it harder uh, as a segment of our population than moms have, right? Um, in addition to all the things that they had to do before, uh, they had to learn how to become homeschool parents. Uh, I know that dads help too, but let's be honest, and a lot of times it's moms that's making this thing roll. Come on, y'all. We know without mom, literally we wouldn't be here, and, and, and figuratively we would have a hard time. And in addition to that, I know that many of you have had to um, go to work and you didn't plan to that or you worked hard to get to your career and then were forced uh, to stay home and help with kids who were working remote or, or doing school remotely. And that was probably fun for about two weeks. And then you're like, oh, dear God, what's happened to my life? And, uh, and some of you are working outside of the house and and you've been trying to figure out how all these pieces can work together, maybe with less income than you had, and, and whatever the case is, I know it's been challenging for you, and so we, we celebrate you. And then I know that, that for some of you, today is the first time that you've had a Mother's Day where your mom wasn't around anymore, and I know that there are people here in this room that have experienced that over this last year, and we just want to say we see you, we, we know you, and literally we've been calling your names uh, in prayer this week, asking God to be the God of all comfort as he promises he would be. And then I know that some of you, this is your first Mother's Day, and so uh, yay for you, welcome to you, and uh, you're part of an incredible uh, fraternity, or maternity, hey, there it is right there, just made that up right there on the spot, um, of, 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 a, of an incredible tribe. I, I was hearing this morning that 2020 um, had the lowest birth rate uh, of, uh, in the last four decades. And I was thinking with all of this going on, the moms were like, I'm out, tap out, no more babies, no more, we're done, you know. Um, and, and I gotta tell this terrible joke. M m motherhood's hard and we should have known that because it started with something called labor. Can I get an amen on that one, somebody, right? It's, it's lame, I'm sorry, terrible. Uh, a special honor to my wife. Happy Mother's Day, babe. Um, my sister was here earlier. I don't know if she's still here. Yeah. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you, Mary. Um, you know, I love my mom. She's not here in the room today, um, but I love my mom. She is an incredible lady. She turned 80 this year, which is uh, an incredible milestone. She was a fantastic mom growing up, and many people admire her, I promise you. She was, however, a bit of a worrier, and I know that many moms are. Just show of hands, if you're honest, you're a little bit of a worrier. Raise your hands, mothers. All right, dads, go ahead, raise your hands too. Yeah, I, I'm a worrier. My mother passed this down to me somehow genetically. Thanks for that, mom. Um, so so, so there were, I'm the youngest of four, and my brothers, my older brothers, uh, I love them dearly, but uh, they gave her much to worry about. Not me, I was perfect in all my ways. Not, not true, not true at all. Um, and so she would lay awake a lot of nights on the couch. Uh, we, she and I were talking about that this week, uh, worrying about one of her kids and, you know, maybe it was we had a curfew or something and we didn't show up. And so she'd be there waiting for us 
uh, on the couch in the dark, um, which, by the way, is terrifying on a whole different level. And so, you know, you'd be trying to sneak in, uh, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after curfew, hoping she didn't hear you. And then from the darkness, from the couch, it would be, Daniel, where have you been? And it's like, dear God, woman, I'm trying to sneak in right now. And, you know, I've messed myself. And uh, that's not classy. That's not classy at all. Sorry, moms. Um, this is why my mother used to say, Daniel, must you be so graphic? Well, this is the reason why she said it like that, by the way. Um, so, so I used to call my mom uh, Deserno woman. Um, this is for those of you who don't know, there is a spiritual gift in the Bible called the gift of discernment. And it's, it means several things, but one of the things that for me it would mean like she would always be able to read my mind and she would know what I was doing wrong before I even had done it, right? And so pretty sure, by the way, every mother is born with some sense of this spiritual gift, right? And um, so it would be like, Daniel, where have you been, right? And, and we weren't allowed to go to movies when I was growing up. And so one time I was like, I'm going anyway, you know, rebellious child and whatnot. And as I walk in, Daniel, where have you been? Have you been to the movies? I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, come on, it's like checking myself for wiretaps and, and surveillance cameras, like she's stalking me or whatever. And she never asks me this, what have you been doing when I had been, you know, praying or reading the Bible that, that one time or, you know, helping a, a little old lady across the road. It was just always when I was doing something wrong, she would discern it, you know, and, and, and so that was a fun time. My brothers and sisters and I, or sister, and I were the cause of some sleepless nights for my mom. Uh, my dad, uh, not so much. Come on, right? right? We begged for him when we wanted to extend our curfew. We'd beg for him to answer the phone because he, he had been asleep since 7.30s, deep into his REM cycle, eyelids flickering or whatever. And he could just be like, Dad, I'm going to rob a bank. Dad, okay, sure, son. Just, just be careful and roll right back over into REM. Perfect REM, you know, cycle. My mother would be like travailing in the spirit, discerning and whatnot. And then you come in and it's like, Daniel, where have you been? I thought you were dead in a ditch somewhere right? Anybody ever have your mom say this to you? This is a real phrase for my mom. And it wasn't just dead. You'd think dead would be bad enough. It was, it was dead in a ditch. Like I might've been dead in a lovely place, like a meadow with bunnies and flowers and soft harp music. But that, like, that wouldn't be so bad, but dead in a ditch, that's the worst. And I've been here laying awake for hours, Daniel, right? And it's funny now uh, to me to look back on that except it's not that funny anymore because now I'm the parent and I'm the one laying awake at night going, where have you been, you know? Uh, parents unite, right? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's funny, um, whether you're a parent or not, many of us have experienced and many of us know that feeling of laying awake at night and worrying and struggling with fear and anxiousness. And, and I wanna talk about that today because it's a real issue. And we started a new series last week. Pastor Doug Robbins was here. He brought to us his brand new book. And if you missed that, I'd love for you to go check that out online and go download his book on, on, on Apple, uh, on iBooks or, or Amazon. And, and what we're talking about um, this month is, is mental health. And we didn't know six or so months ago when we scheduled this series that it was actually Mental Health Awareness Month. There's a month for everything nowadays. There's a day for everything. Uh, it's like, hey, this is taco day. And, and people in San Antonio, we know every day is taco day. Come on. Can I get an amen from somebody? Taco Tuesday. What are you talking about? Taco Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Anyways, uh, I, I'm born and raised in San Antonio, and I like tacos. They will be served at the marriage supper of the lamb, I'm convinced. Uh, amen. 
So let me just say this, and we'll get into the, the meat today. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a, a licensed therapist or counselor, so I won't pretend to be. Uh, we need all of those folks. They, are, they play a vital role in our, in our, in our, in our world. Uh, but I am a pastor, and I believe that the Bible, which is God's word and it is true, has much to say on the topic. And I also believe that the church should be at the forefront of helping people um, face the battles that many of us are facing right now with our mental health. Um, I, I'm not trying to bring a message as a way of saying that this is the be-all, end-all, because some of us actually do need uh, to see doctors and mental health experts. Many of us need to be on medications for our mental health. And, 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 and in addition to that, I would just say I'm not sure why there's such a stigma attached to mental health, but I also will say this, that we also, and I would say most importantly, need to know what God's word has to say. Amen, somebody? We need what God's word has to say about all this. So, so recently, um, and I'll get to the text here in a moment, Re recently Barna Group, a research group, is, it's, a, it's a group that's out there, has done some studies that says that those who had been living with some level of anxiety or stress or depression prior to the pandemic, now their mental health struggles have only increased uh, during the pandemic. And we've seen this, the, the negative impacts of the pandemic, uh, social distancing and isolation have taken a massive toll on people's mental and emotional well-being to one degree or another. Almost most people have suffered on some degree or another. And I, I want you to think about this last 14 or 15 months or however long it's been. It just is kind of all running together now. But I want you to think about how much damage has been wreaked upon our society because of distance. Um, how much loneliness, how much anxiety, worry, fear, depression, abuse, both physically and sexually, uh, suicide, divorce, um, addictions, all of these, we're told, have gone up not just up, they were already on the rise, but now they've gone up um, astronomically, and the data sets prove this. And, and, and all of this in part because of, not exclusively, but in part because of the fear and the worry and the anxiety and the stress brought on by the virus and then exacerbated by the distance that we were all forced to create because of the virus. We stopped going to houses. We stopped having church in person. We stopped gathering for the holidays. We stopped hugging and shaking hands and all of the other things we've done, some, some of which was necessary. But we're paying now a huge toll for it as a result. And maybe the real casualties of COVID have yet to be revealed, right? One thing we know for sure, like it's not debatable, is that our mental health as a country has never been in so much trouble. Right? So, so, and then you add to that that there's this, this stigma attached to mental health and people who struggle with it that I hope really honestly to chip away with at over the next few weeks and beyond. And it's interesting about stigmas. I, I have something called an astigmatism. I think it's in my left eye if I remember correctly. And so I have to wear these corrective lenses, one because I just can't see very well and one because I can't see well and I have an astigmatism. And, and, and it's interesting because part of my body, in this case my eyes, are not working at optimal efficiency. But, but here's the thing about that. Nobody thinks less of me 
um, for needing glasses, do they? Like after we got through first grade, they, they stopped calling you four eyes or whatever. We grew up, come on, every man, somebody, right? We grew up, I, and, and I'm not wearing glasses because I lack faith in God. I'm not, I'm not wearing glasses because I'm not a good Christian, right? I just need a little help to see better. Are you with me so far, right? And, and why is it then that when another part of our body, our brains, is suddenly is not working at optimum level and we need a little help with it that it's somehow seen as like less than. Like let's, can we just do away with that? Come on, can I get, a, get, a, get an amen somebody, right? See, see, my struggle is not my identity. My illness is not my identity. And, but here's the truth. God wants us to live free from all of these issues that are coming against us. As a matter of fact, Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do you believe that with me today? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? That's the truth. But, 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 but another truth is that some of you have walked into this room today with something on your mind that you just simply can't shake loose or something on your heart that you simply cannot get to move on or move out of your heart. And, and it's a sense of, of anxiety or worry or dread or fear that you cannot shake. And maybe you're thinking about it even now. Like it's, it's moving in the background, always playing in the background. Maybe it's a problem at work or an unresolved conflict at home, maybe it's a struggle with addiction or, a, or an illness. Maybe it's a friend or a family member that is in crisis. Maybe it's a stack of bills and, and debt that just keeps piling higher and you're feeling like you're sinking deeper and deeper into a hole. And, and then our hearts, our hearts can just slip into this, this state, this kind of perpetual state of tossing and turning. Our minds can go there. Like, like physically, some of you are tossing and turning at night, but our hearts and our minds can just be perpetually doing this, and that makes for very long nights and very wearisome and tiresome days. And, and then fear and anxiety become constant companions, and, and, the, and, and together they do so much to disrupt the, the physical health and the mental health of our bodies. And so I was, I was reading a quote this week from Dr. Billy Graham, and he said this many, many years ago. And he said, historians will call this era, era the age of anxiety. And, and then he goes on and he says, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for, for us. Listen, so, so what he's saying is that when we put our hopes and our trust in anything other than God, the natural result of that will be to, for us to have anxiety in some level. And listen, listen, listen. I know that some anxiety and depression is caused by chemical issues in the brain or in the body, like, and you need help for that. I know that. I'm not denying any of that. But what I'm saying is that much of all of that that we're struggling with is, re is related to this, that we've made idols out of things, and we put our hope and our trust in things that cannot deliver liver in the way that God, that only God can. So the reality though is that fear, which is what I'm talking about, worry, what I'm talking about today, are unnecessary burdens that we carry. Like, will there be fear? Is it inevitable sometimes? Of course it is. Will you get afraid sometimes? Absolutely. Stuff happens. Our hearts fear. We get afraid. But when we live that way, chronically, we are living, I believe, outside of the plan and the will of God for our lives. 
right? So we face challenges and we're gonna face setbacks and we're gonna have defeats in life, all of us do. And when we experience those, isn't it enough that we have to experience those without adding to that the weight of fear and worry and anxiousness? It's an unnecessary weight. And, and you're already carrying the, the weight of the challenge. Why add to it unnecessarily by choosing fear or choosing ang- anxiousness? Like, like I know that we don't choose it all the time, but sometimes we do by our choices, by what we put our hope and our, and our trust in. Like it's an unnecessary weight. And listen, I gotta say this before we move on. You have a spiritual enemy, right? You have an adversary. The Bible calls him the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He, the Bible says that we, don't, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like, that, like sometimes it's not that person's problem. You have an enemy who is waging war. He's seeking whom he may devour, the Bible says. He's waging war. And, and one of his great tactics in this world, in this life, is to bring fear and to cause worry and it, to disrupt you, to cause you to live less than, to cause you not to step into to take hold of the promises of God uh, in, in your life. And I just need you to know that today. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, we are not ignorant of his schemes. But if you're ignorant of his schemes, you'll blame everything else but your spiritual enemy. This, this is not God's will for you to live with anxiousness and, a fr- and, and fear. And so listen, if we believe, and we just celebrated that a couple of weeks ago, if we believe that Jesus came walking out of that grave, if he came out of that grave, then he, he said that sa- the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And so it's God's will that we don't live in fear and we take hold of the freedom that has been purchased for us. And Jesus says in, in John 16, in this world, world, you will have trouble, but take heart, exclamation point. I have overcome the world, somebody. Come on, somebody, right? So we're asking God to chip away at the fear and the chain of fear and worry that's in our lives. Now, now it's funny to me because when I think about what I used to be afraid of when I was a kid, when I was growing up, there was a lot of fear in my life as a child. Uh, it's It's kind of funny now, but listen, fear is not funny. Right, chronic fear is not, because here's the thing, fear is a problem that creates other problems. So, so let me give you for, some for instances. We fear that who we are is not enough, and by the way, by the way, that one thing alone is the source of so many other de- uh, deficiencies in our life. I am not enough, you fill in the blank, and that creates so much pain and tor- turmoil and chaos, so we fear that we are not enough, so we deal with things like jealousy right? We, we fear not having enough, so we live with a scarcity mindset that crushes our opportunity to be t- t- for generosity. We fear not being good enough, so we live with insecurity, right? We, we fear not being strong enough, so we cover it up with pride and with arrogance and with, with, with superficial accomplishments. We fear not measuring up, so we wrestle with comparison and with social media now more than ever. We, we fear chaos and we fear uh, unrest, and so we grapple for control, which is illusory. It does, it's not real. We don't, there's no such thing as being in control, right? Fear is a problem that creates other problems. And that's why Paul says to Timothy, his son in the gospel, he says in verse six of of 2 Timothy chapter one, therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to, if you have your Bibles out, right, underline this, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We're gonna come back there. For God has not given us a spirit of, say it with me, a spirit of, but of, say it, power and of love and of a sound 
mind. A sound mind. You know, you know this word fear is the word phobos, and it only appears one time, I think, in all of the New Testament. It's right here. Such, a big, such an important text here. And, and throughout the scriptures, more than a hundred times, God says something like, fear not, or do not be afraid, or do not worry. Jesus would say that oftentimes, do not worry. And, and why does God feel the need to tell us these things? It's because he knows the world in which you and I are going to, the space that we're going to inhabit, and, and the things that are going to come up against us, and the circumstances, and the problems in the world. And he's telling us, listen, you don't have to live in fear. And so Paul comes along reminding Timothy that the spirit of God, which he says resides inside of you, does not produce negative fear. That the spirit of God produces power and love and a sound mind. Think about that now. What does it mean, sound mind? It's wholeness of mind. The Bible says in Thessalonians that we are made up of body and soul and spirit. Right? And, and so there's the part of the soulish part of us, which is our, our choosing mechanism, which is what, what we call our mind. That, that part of us um, can, can, can get distracted and can get jacked up. And, right? and so he says, God has not come to give you that. He's come to give you wholeness of mind. And, and another way of saying it, he's come to give you a rational mind. Now think about this with me. That, that's an ability to frame circumstances, situations as they come to you in their proper context. So, so sort of psychologically speaking, a sound mind allows for someone who has a sound mind to deal with issues rationally. But what we know about mental health issues is that one of the first things to go when we're struggling with that is the rational mind. Right, so like you could say, man, I'm really, really worried about this and because you're going through a thing and I'm like, bro, don't worry about that. That's not, a, that's not a, something you, there's a lot to worry about, that's not one of them. But in my mind, when you tell me that's, that's not valid, you shouldn't worry about that. Like my mind is processing things in a way that says I need to be afraid of that, right? So Jesus says, or Paul says, hey, listen, Timothy, God had not come to give you a divided mind or a mind that's worried about this or that. He's come to give you wholeness, a rational mind. And, and what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, it's, it's clear that fear diminishes your ability to be faithful and faith-filled and the ability to, to do what God calls you, in, in Timothy's case, to go share the gospel. And Paul is telling him this because P, uh, T Timothy has reasons to feel afraid. Paul, his mentor, his, his father in the gospel, if I can use that language, is, is, is struggling. He's been beat up. He's been shipwrecked. He's in prison. And, and he, Paul knows that could make his heart to be afraid. And, and ultimately what he's saying is, Timothy, you have a choice to either give in to faith or to give in to fear. You have a choice. And if you want to stir up faith, I want you to stir up the gift of God inside of you. And that will produce in you, because the spirit of God is inside of you, it will produce power, love, and a sound mind. But, but what if you are a person who's here today, and you're saying, well, Danny, listen, man, I, I am, I'm dealing, I'm struggling in some of this area. What do I what do? I, do? I, got, I got a couple of sort of practical steps, and then I'm going to come back to this text again. The, the first one is just... Stay away from scenario sickness, right? Can I just make up a word? Like, stay away from scenario sickness. How many of you would be honest and say, 
I have a vivid imagination. Raise your hands so you have a vivid imagination. So how many of you would say about uh, some of your kids? Like, you know, one kid has a much more vivid imagination than the other. It's not that the one's not, but one's like next level imagination, like world class, right? My mother, again, she used to say of me, Daniel, must you be so graphic? And what she was saying is, Daniel, must you use that mind to say stuff that I don't need to know, right? <laughs> Too much information, Daniel, right? That's what she would say, right? And, and so he, here's what scenario sickness is. It's wrong use of the imagination, right? You have an imagination. Everybody does, right? It's wrong use. And so it happens when we create scenarios in our minds that anticipate the worst instead of the best that can happen. You with me so far? Some of you are already starting to think about somebody that has that. Some of us now in this day, in this modern era, we actually go looking for things on the internet to, to be afraid of and to worry about. And then because it's our spiritual gift, we like to send them through Facebook or like email like, hey, dude, check out this stuff. Like, like this is what could happen around this thing. Where did you get that information? I don't know, but it was on the internet. So it has to be valid, Right. Yeah, but this source says it's from China or I don't know, wherever. Like, it's like, but yeah, but it's on the internet. So you should be terrified along with me, right? And Jesus says, listen, can you add even a single day or an hour to your life by worrying? No, the answer, it's rhetorical, but the answer is no. But, but, but scenario sickness is highly contagious and it will mess you up and it will keep you from being all that God wants you to be. And listen, this is a word for today. Even though it was said thousands of years ago, the prophet Isaiah in, 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 in Isaiah chapter eight, here's what he says. This is verse 11. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Woo, what? That's in there? Yes, it's in there. And this is a word for, for today because just because somebody forwards you something doesn't make it true, right? And some of us, honestly, we're laying around at night worried about stuff that's not even true. It's a wrong use of the imagination. Isaiah says, do not fear what they fear. Do not call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. Come on, somebody. Don't use your imagination to create more fear. Your spiritual enemy is working hard to do that for you. Don't help a brother out. I'm just, I'm just dropping it. I'm just dropping it. The, the thing is, is fear, fear has the ability to manipulate our perspectives, right? To make things bigger than they should be. This happens. To, to, to honestly, fear for some of us is idolatry. Like, because we've made things bigger than God himself, and that's what idolatry is. We've moved some of this stuff up above God himself. That's an idol, it may not be a wooden statue or a picture on a wall. That's an idol. Come on, somebody. And it's idolatry. So, so here's what happens is people who are fear-focused and anxious are consumed with what if instead of what is. Think about that for just a second, right? So focusing on what, all the what ifs will just breed more fear in your life. And I'm telling us, I'm telling me that if many of us would focus just on what is, what is true, what is good, what is love, if we focus on what is, it would get rid of so much of the fear and honestly so much of the anger that many of you are dealing with because you're looking for scenario sick, you have scenario sickness. 
You, you, you can't say, hey, man, I'm a person of faith. I have somebody that wants us to pray for them all the time. Hey, pray for this, pray for that, pray for that. I'm like, that's not even real. You're, I'm not going to pray for something that's not even true. It's not even, it's not even real. And, and, and if, you're, if you're saying, I'm a person of faith, but I'm living with all of the, the, the what ifs of life, I would say, come on, man, check yourself. Check yourself. Don't, don't focus on the what ifs. Focus on what is and then live accordingly. This is why Paul, over and over again, he encourages, especially here in, in, in Philippians 4.8, he says, listen, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, come on, say this with me, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, not what if, but what is. Come on, can I get a good amen from somebody, right? Think about what is. Think about what is. When you focus on what you know is true and, what, and not what might be, your life will begin to change. Because here's how this works for you, scenario sickness. Yeah, yeah, but Danny, man, right now I feel so alone. Like, what if God abandoned me? What if people have forgotten me? No, that's, that's what if, but here's the what is, the truth. He promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. Come on. He said that even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he would be right there with me. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah, but what if I choose the wrong path? What if I make a decision, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, listen, that's a good what if, but here's the truth. The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. The promises in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose and who love God. That's the truth. Focus on what you know is true. Don't focus on what if, focus on what is. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Secondly, second one, this is kind of, this is kind of a little bit abstract. Go, go retro. You know what I'm talking about? Retro, right? Like everybody's going retro with this thing or that thing. I saw that recently Ford brought, bought back the, 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 the Bronco, the Ford Bronco. When I think Ford Bronco, I think about O.J. Simpson running down the highway. Come on, y'all. That's retro. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, O.J. Simpson, Right? Go retro. And you can do this in good ways and you can do this back. And when I say retro, what I mean is uh, the, the function of our memory and our remembrance. See, some of us remember, we go retro in a bad way in that we, we focus on things in our past that we're ashamed of. And we allow the enemy, the chatterbox, to just constantly remind us of the failings, that time, that relationship, that time I had a moral failure or a moral turnover, and, and we live in there, and we get stuck there, and God has a future and a hope and a bright tomorrow, but we're stuck in the retro. We're remembering the bad. I, I, and I've seen this happen over ago where we get stuck. People have, have a failed marriage. They get stuck there. They have, a, they have a bankruptcy and they get stuck there. They have a failed business or some serious trauma or difficult things and people get stuck there. And often people get stuck at the moment of their worst pain. I've seen this over the years as I've talked to people. And, they, and, and sort of a, a, their EQ, their emotional quotient is, like a, is like, like a 12-year-old. And you go, why are they behaving emotionally like a 12-year-old? Well, because something traumatic happened to them at their 12 years old and they never got through it and they never, got, they never dealt with it. They never worked through their hurts and their habits and the hangups of life. They didn't have a, a way to go get freedom from that and they got stuck there. 
That's, that's going retro in the worst way. And, 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 but there's a way, there is a way to, 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 to go backwards and look back. See, and here's why this matters. This is why this matters. Some of you right now, honestly, you're in a dark place. Some of you watching online, some of you who will watch this later or listen to this on a podcast, you're in a dark place. And I've been in dark places in my life where it seemed like there was nothing but a dark tunnel. And at the end of the tunnel, I didn't see a light at all. I couldn't see any light. Do you know what I'm saying? Where it's like nothing I can see feels like there's any way out of this. And it's in those moments when you look at the future and you're afraid of the future or you're looking at your present and going, man, there's nothing I can see good coming in the, down the road. Sometimes in those moments it's good to go back into the past of your life and remind yourself of the good that God has already done for you. I heard a pastor say this week that sometimes you have to go back and, and grab a past victory and you have to bring it in and introduce it to your current reality and go, yes, I'm in trouble. Yes, there are bad things happening, but I want, you to, I want you to meet that time when God brought me through in my marriage. It didn't seem like there was any hope for my marriage, but God brought me through. I, that time when it didn't seem like any way I could come through this in my health, there was no way I'd come through, but God healed me miraculously. And you have to introduce the past to your present because you can't see anything good in the forward, but you have to remind yourself in the past, God has delivered me. In the past, God has brought me through. And last year, trust me last year I had to remind myself over I had to declare what God had done for me in the past so that I could face with confidence what was ahead of me right now in the present or in the future sometimes you go retro and you see this all through the book of Exodus as Moses is trying to lead the people out and they're whining and they're complaining and they're afraid and he keeps saying listen to me here's what do you not remember what God did for you back in that day and so at, at one point, God says, I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And Moses sells the people. Sometimes you just got to stop and see and remind the people of what God does. And in the process of that, the, the mind gets renewed and hope starts to rise and the spirit gets lifted. You go retro and you tell your future and you tell your present, I still serve a God who back in the day did this for me and he's able, if he did it back then, he's able to do it now. Can I get a good amen from somebody? See, God has given you a spirit of power. Can you say this with me? Of love and of a sound mind. Would you say that again? God has given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound. One more time, just declare that out right now. God has given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. But listen to me, that, that last one, sound mind, will be hard for you to take hold of if you don't live in the reality of God's power and God's love for you. See, some of you are walking through life right now and you feel so powerless in your current situation, so powerless to go through this situation. But listen, those of you who are believers in Jesus, you are never powerless. Come on, somebody. This is why Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Because Acts 1 and 8 says, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, like when you have the Spirit of God coming on you, Acts 1 and 8 says, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Like power to walk right, power to live right, power to think right. You can act. See, this is the problem is so many of us have access to power that we, that we don't even go access. We're looking to ourselves to fix our problems. We're looking to this person or that person. That's idolatry. There's power that God has given us through his Holy Spirit. 
to live, but, but not just power, but love. Come on, somebody, love. Like, like I, think, I think that much of, a, much of our struggles right now has to do with the fact that we don't know, we don't see God the way he is. We have a construct of God that maybe we grew up with, we learned from people before us. That's not accurate, that's not right. So, so Paul, the apostle, he writes this amazing prayer. Um, and you guys can come back to the keys, give people hope that I'm gonna end, amen, somebody, right? I'm kidding. Um, Paul, Paul writes this beautiful prayer to his friends in Ephesus who I believe were facing similar situations and they were in scenarios like we are right now. And, and, and if I could just pray this prayer over you, if I could borrow his words and just pray this over you, I, I would love for you to receive this prayer. Paul says about his friends, says I pray that out of, would you say this with me, his. See we keep looking at what we don't have and what we don't have enough and Paul says it's not about you, man. It's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about what he's done for you, what he has for you. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with what? With what? With power through, from where? Through, through his spirit. Where? Your inner being. Paul says in Corinthians that he prays that the peace of God will stand guard over your heart over your mind, that's your inner being, that these places that are most vulnerable. He says that, that he may strengthen you with his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell or, or make himself at home. That's what the word means, make yourself at home in, in your hearts through what? Through faith. And, and I pray you, that you being rooted and established in what? In love may have what? Power. You see this? You see how this works together? Together with all the Lord's holy people. See, this is the thing is that some of us through this season of struggling, we have isolated and we have insulated ourselves from other people. And God's plan is never that we do life alone, that we come together with all the Lord's holy people, that there's strength there to, 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 to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and then look at this, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Would you just receive that this morning, or this afternoon now? I pray that out of his glorious riches that he would strengthen you through his spirit and that you would grasp the love of God, how high, how wide, how deep, how broad. See, see if you can just live in and grasp the love of God for you in, in Christ Jesus, you will find that when the tide of fear and anxiety and stress and worry come rolling in, you will find strength to see it roll back. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned this last year that that the tidal wave of fear or anxiety or, or depression is momentary. Like, like, like it won't feel like that in the moment. It won't feel, it'll feel like it's eternal, like it's never going to leave. 
But, but listen, emotions are momentary, are they not? You're not happy or mad or sad or whatever all of the time. And, and so just like they can sweep in, they can sweep out. Because the tide, the tide comes in and then the tide, what is it? It goes out. And, and, and so sometimes it can feel like there are moments where you're being swept off of your feet emotionally, mentally, relationally, but you're not. You're not being swept off your feet. The tide will go back out just like it came in, but here's the problem, here's the problem. So many of us are making life-altering decisions in these moments where it feels like fear, anxiety, depression are going to overwhelm us. It feels that way, but it's not true. But some of us have made, and we saw this last year, where people made life-altering, sometimes life-ending decisions because they felt like it would never end. And our challenge is to hold on to God like, like never before, to hold on to hope and to hold on to what we know, not what if, but what is that God loves us and that God is for us. The psalmist says in Psalm 58, he says, you have, you have seen me, God, you have seen me tossing and turning throughout the night. First of all, when you feel like God doesn't see, when, you see, when it seems like God doesn't know that God has forgotten you. David says, listen, no, no, no. I'm going to acknowledge even in my pain, even in my worry, even in my, my pain, my, my, the, the confusion, you have seen me tossing and turning through the night. I think some of you can relate to that. And, and, and he goes on and, and he says, and you have collected all my tears and preserve them in your bottle. What a, what a beautiful picture of the character, the nature of God. And not only that, but you have recorded every one of them in, in your book. Think, think about that, the kind of God that you serve, the kind of God that, whose spirit is in this room is the kind of God who sees, who collects the tears, preserves them, and records every one of them in your book. And then this, this amazing thought, that the very day I call for help, the tide... The, the, tide, the tide that feels like it's going to sweep me off my feet. The tide of fear, the tide of anxiety, the tide, the tide of chaos and worry. The very day that I pause and I take hold of the power that God's spirit gives. And I take hold of the love of God and I, take, I, I hold on to those two realities jointly. And they become for me, they establish me. They, they root me, as Paul says. The very day that I call for him in that reality, the tide of battle, what? It turns. And listen, that spiritual enemy that I warned you about, in the very day that I call and I'm rooted in the reality of the power of God, the, the love of God, with my rational mind, my sound mind, I call, my enemy has to, what? Flee. And then there is this certainty in the middle of uncertainty. 
And this one thing I know, he says. God, say it with me. God is for me. Could you say it one more time? God is for me. And that is the anthem of hope. That's the song that I sing in the battle. That's the song I sing in the fear. Listen, I, I know this because I've experienced this in my life when fear had threatened to paralyze me. There was a moment in my life where I felt like I couldn't breathe, like the enemy was physically choking me out, like I could feel that. And the only thing I could do was say, Jesus, you're the sweetest name of all. Jesus, the demons tremble when I call the name of Jesus. That name is higher than them all. Jesus, you're the sweetest name of all. And in that moment, listen to me, in that moment, fear left. Chaos left. Something about calling on the name of Jesus. But I want to tell you something, one last thing, and I'm done. I know I'm over time, but it's the third gathering, and I don't have anything else coming except lunch. Can I get a witness, somebody? You're like, well, bro, I, I got lunch. Man, bring a snack. Man, bring a snack. We got snacks for you ladies on the way out. Just hang on. I got to tell you, the primary goal of your spiritual enemy is to get you to surrender your identity of being in Christ, to root your identity in how much money you have or how, much, how many followers you have or how many degrees that you have, to, to root yourself in anything other than I am a child of God, that I am, Ephesians says, all the way from start to finish, that I am in Christ. That's my position. I'm not fighting for that position. I'm fighting from that position. I'm, I've won because Jesus Christ has overcome the world and I'm, oh, oh by the way, I'm with him, right? I'm with him. So, so, so stop using language that, that, that contradicts what God says about you and that what God says to you because God is for you because God says in Ephesians 2 that I am his masterpiece, that I am his workmanship, that I am established and I am rooted and, and in and Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 3 that I am sealed with his promised Holy Spirit, that I am redeemed, that I am loved, that I am his child so that whatever is in your tomorrow, whatever is that you're afraid of in the future, you're going to be dwelling in the indestructible shelter of the love of God that will take you through tomorrow and the next day and the next day because Romans 8 says that and he who did not spare his own son how will he not with him give us all things listen if God loved you so much that he sent John 3 16 that he sent his only begotten son if that's how much God loves you, do you think he's going to leave you now in your time of need, in your time of fear? You are in the shelter of the indestructible love of God. And Romans 8 says, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that, everybody? <laughs> so 
So could you pray with me, Father? I thank you so much for your word. God, I know, I know, because I've been here, that there are many of us right now who are struggling in mighty ways. We are struggling with our emotions. We are struggling with fear. We are wrestling with anger. God, we are, we are wrestling with anxiety, and I just want folks to walk out of this place believing that they are in the indestructible shelter of the love of God, that they have power that they can access by stirring up the Holy Spirit of God inside their lives, that they have a sound mind. Come on, right now the enemy's been whispering that they're going crazy or that they're losing their mind or that there's something dreadfully wrong with them, but you did not give them that. That's an, that's an attack of their enemy. You have given them power and love and a sound mind, and I pray that they would take hold of that, that as they leave this place today, that they would be rooted and established in the love of God, that they would see how high, how wide, how deep, how broad is the love of God for them. And there are some moms here right now, God, who are feeling like they're not good enough, that they can't handle anymore that they can't do anymore, that they are, have reached the end of them. But when we reach the end of us, that's where we start with the beginning of you. And God, I believe that if you've brought them to this moment, that you're going to bring them through this moment. I pray that they would go from this place feeling the love of God, that they are the beloved daughters of the most high God. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. John says that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. May we never forget that our identity is we are sons and we are daughters of the most high God. I pray their blessing over them. I pray strength over them. I pray help over them. I pray courage for what lies ahead. I pray all these things in the powerful, the mighty, the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And somebody said, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand, everybody? Come on. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.